Hello, welcome to the Satellite Market Cast podcast, where we feature key executives from leading satellite companies worldwide, talk about their company, their careers, industry trends, and other insights on the exciting satellite communication industry. I'm your host, Virgil Labrador, Editor-in-Chief of Satellite Markets and Research, inviting you to another informative podcast with our featured guest today. Well, welcome everybody to this edition of the Satellite Market Cast podcast. And our guest today is Ken Drell. He's the Global Communications Industry Lead of Capgemini Engineering. If you haven't heard of Capgemini Engineering, you've probably seen their work, uh, which is uh, quite extensive. And here to explain that and, uh, and, and various trends in the industry is uh, Ken. Ken leads the communication sector for Capgemini's engineering and R&D business line in the Americas and Asia Pacific. Capgemini is one of the world's leaders in engineering and R&D services. According to Zinov, a leading global management and strategy consulting firm. Based in the Raleigh Durham, North Carolina area, Ken has been a communications executive at the company for the past five years, initially with Arison and then Altran before Capgemini acquired Altran in April 2020. Prior to Arison and Altran, he spent many years in the telecommunication industry working at Nortel, Calix, and SIC Systems, among others. So, Ken, welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Virgil. I appreciate you inviting me to the discussion today. It's a pleasure having you, Ken. So, Ken, uh, for the benefit of our uh, listeners who aren't familiar with uh, uh, Capgemini Engineering, could you give us a brief overview of your company and what you do, especially for the satellite industry? Yeah, glad glad to. So, Capgemini Engineering is a a large company. We're uh, 270,000 employees around the world, almost $20 billion of revenue. Um, our engineering group, uh, I'm in Capgemini Engineering, is a group of 50,000 engineers on a global basis. And we bring those people together and we help clients execute projects. So these are a pooled resource of engineers that we can pull on and pull out expertise from to help customers uh, as they want to execute projects. It's a much more efficient and quick way to do things than to go recruit off the street Everybody knows that there's challenges in getting engineers off the street. In the satellite segment, um, we've been working actually with satellite companies for about 33 years. Uh, We started off as part of Hughes Network Software Systems. Um, So our our heritage for the last 30 years goes right back into satellite with Hughes. Um, And we've had a few instances and and iterations over the time, but now we're part of Capgemini. And what we do is we are a system integrator for our clients. We come in. And we help our clients from consulting through architecture development, designing, software development, hardware development, testing, uh, all the way to operations. And then throughout that, we, uh, we focus on helping our clients automate testing and operations and provisioning and things like that. So a turnkey system integrator to help our clients, especially around satellite communications, generate the capabilities and the functions that they need in order to, to, to go to market. Wow, quite a pedigree you have. Eh? You started with Use, which is very well known in the industry, of course. It's still out there. It's an industry name. And you've been doing business 30 years with 50,000 engineers. You can practically do anything, right, Ken? Well, we, we, we could do a lot. Yes, we, we, uh, we can do a whole lot of things. Uh, I, I try not to ever go to where we do everything for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. We try to focus in on certain competencies. But yeah, there, there is a, a tremendous amount of capability when you've got an army of 50,000. So, uh, Ken, you basically uh, 
do projects and consulting uh, uh, in behalf of your customers, right? You don't do yep. uh, anything yourself. You're not a manufacturer or a service provider, unlike other companies. Yeah, no, we, we are not. Actually, we are a, a solution provider for our clients. Um, um, the focus is to bring our competencies to our clients and help them solve their problems. And when we finish a project, one of the things that, sh that we really um, pride ourselves on, when we finish a project, we turn over the IPR to our clients. That way our clients can run their business. They're not, they're not beholden to us. We, that we help them solve their problem and then mm -hmm. give them what we've done. And then they can run their business. Now, if we've done a good job, they'll continue working with us, right? And that, that's right. what we expect. But, but it's not that um, we're looking to retain our IPR and then learn what we've done with, with client A and then go sell it to client B or to create our own solution um, and, and start competing with, with one of our clients. Uh, instead, we, we, we enable it, uh, we create the project, let's say that we're, we're writing some code for a client, we'll write that code and at the end, we turn over the source code to the client. Right, so you're dealing re really with a third party here that, uh, you know, because there's some other companies there who've actually built uh, lines of products and have certain yeah. enge developed engineering expertise, and then they, they, they have a consulting division that they start. But at the same time, there could be potential conflict because some of the, of course, their areas of expertise, yes. they could be potential competitors. <laughs> they absolutely could. They absolutely yeah. could. So right. We encourage our clients to think of us as extensions of their, their team that can staff up mm -hmm. and staff back down. So you can, if you've got some immediate needs, you need 20, 30, 50 engineers, we can bring them in, mm -hmm. but you don't have to retain them and keep them for 50 years, right? Mm -hmm. We can bring them in, they can do a project for a year or two, and then we can take and move them on to something else. But throughout that, they act as, as our clients' employees. They act on our clients' behalf, and right. whatever IPR they create becomes the ownership of our client. But they also, uh, a customer of yours can also save a lot of money by, uh, you know, instead of them hiring their own people, right, and being locked into long-term contracts, you know, they don't right. have all well, that so overhead. There's multiple elements of that, right? So if, mm -hmm. you, if you've got a project and you need to staff up 20 people, mm -hmm. right? Not only are you faced with hiring those people in the long-term employment scenario, mm -hmm. but think about the amount of time that goes into recruiting, interviewing, training. We estimate it's about 100 hours per employee to get them to a point where they're fully onboarded and productive. So if you're doing 20 employees, 100 hours employee, that's a lot of lost time. Right. Whereas if we can bring people in, we can staff them up, we can get them there quickly, we've got experience, um, and they can become productive much more quickly. And then our clients don't have that long-term overhang right. of, well, now i got 50 employees, what am I going to do? They have a shorter lead time, right? Because you can start immediately. You, you, know, you can staff them immediately, whereas you we know, hiring... You can get it done in a couple of weeks. That won't say you know, it's quite immediately, but it's in a couple right. of weeks. A couple we of weeks is better than, you know, sometimes you, know, you hire somebody, he won't be available for three months from now. He has to leave yeah. his other company and other personal stuff that he has to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and, and just the, the whole recruiting process. It'll, you know, you want to staff up a team of 20, it'll take six months. Yeah, right. And you can do it in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So Great. it's it's a it's a pretty powerful engine that that's there and that we can help our clients with. Great. Great. Right. So for the satellite industry, uh, give us an overview of what core competencies that you can offer and, and maybe highlight some examples of what you've done. 
Okay, be glad to. So um, in the satellite segment, uh, we, we focus primarily on satellite communications, at least my team does, in enabling the communication between the satellites, the ground, the modems, et cetera, um, the user terminals. Um, it may, may be an example, one of the examples that, that'll give a fairly decent uh, scope is we're working right now on a HAPS project where mm -hmm. we are uh, working at HAPS as a high altitude platform station, a drone, mm -hmm. um, that we are working to equip with one of our satellite customers with um, wireless equipment that'll ride on the drone, as well as UEs that'll be on the ground and uh, ground station terminal equipment so that we can get a drone up in the air and fly it at uh, 20, 20, 000, or 20 kilometers uh, and be able to, to take advantage of wireless communications off that drone. So that's mm -hmm. one example. Um, mm -hmm. We took on a full turnkey solution uh, prime contractor uh, position here. We've got a few other vendors that we're working with and we bring together the entirety of the solution. We work with the client to define the architecture and now we're in the process of, of integrating all those components. And um, you know, this summer we'll be we'll be launching that and uh, and and seeing how it goes. Wow! So you Very cover, exciting. yeah. So you cover both the space segment and the ground segment of the industry. Yeah. So we we do, and and actually, um, you know, we work with satellite communication providers, but we also do a lot of work around five G, right? Mm -hmm. uh, with the the terrestrial wireless providers, mm -hmm. uh, and actually all all the communication. So what we we actually work on. Um, everything in communications from the equipment vendors mm -hmm. to the, you know, Ericsson's and Nokia's of the world to the application providers mm -hmm. uh, through the, uh, the hyperscale web service providers to the service providers themselves. So we, we really work across the entirety of the communication industry. And within that, obviously, in the service provider segment is the satellite providers. But not only is it satellite, it's also uh, wireless 5G, it's uh, fiber to the home, it's a variety of different things. And I think that's one of the things because we've got so much competencies that as we've engaged, especially around mm -hmm. LEO projects and HAPS projects, mm -hmm. that this convergence with our ability with wireless is really playing out well and bringing extra value to our clients. Because you start thinking about, you know, with whether it be LEO or HAPS, how do you connect those to a wireless 5G? What's the 3PPB standards and et cetera? And being, mm -hmm. being on both sides of that fence with our engineers really brings value. Right, right. And, and you cover the whole world, right? Capgemini is uh, uh, worldwide. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. We're uh, pretty much worldwide. Not in every country, but in, in you know, I think it's every 65 or 70 countries that we're mm -hmm. in. Um, throughout Europe, the U.S., and we work with service providers all over the world. You must be very busy, man. <laughs> well, we stay busy. We stay busy. I, right. I don't travel as much as I used to right now, but you right. know, I'm hoping that sometime that changes and I can get back out to see my clients again. Right. So primarily, you're an uh, engineering and uh, consulting uh, R&D company. Is, is that yeah, fair? So, so what does that mean? That, that means um, everything from defining the, you know, consulting on the front end of the project to define mm -hmm. the architecture. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what we do, you know, that, that, um, that defining the architecture and consulting turns out to, to create a blueprint for a customized solution. And then a lot of what we do is we do the software and the hardware engineering and mm -hmm. or if we can get components off the shelf, um, mm -hmm. we'll do the system integration in order to be able to bring things together quickly and efficiently yet customized because as you know most mm -hmm. most clients i mean i've been at this as you mentioned five years 
Mm -hmm. Almost every one of our projects is different, unique. We have certain elements you can take and, and reuse, but mm -hmm. each, each client has a very different set of, of objectives and, and challenges that they're trying to, to, uh, to tackle. Now, you know, having been in the business so long and having tackled so many projects, I'm sure you have a certain wealth of knowledge. And like you've already mentioned some of them, you know, your, your knowledge of the the 5G uh, and, you know, IT and, and all and the mobile tele telephony and all that. What, you, what do you see as some uh, of the problems that uh, some of the satellite companies are facing now with all these changes that's going on in, in the industry and developments? Um, I, I would say there's, a, there's one problem, and there's a, there's a lot of them, but one that kind of traverses the entirety of the communication industry right now is services. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I, if, and I can apply it to the 5G networks. If I just, if I, for a moment, if I think about 5G network operators, they're in the process of rolling out a multi-billion dollar uh, rollout of 5G. And, you know, as you do that and you spend all that money, mm -hmm. if you think about it, as a, most of their subscribers are consumers, most consumers aren't going to pay more for 5G, right? Mm -hmm. They've trained us, we get more for the same price. Right. So where are they, how are they going to pay for that network, right? They, they've got a conundrum. They have to roll out 5G. It's going to cost billions. Otherwise, they're not going to be competitive. But mm -hmm. how do you pay for that? And the way that they're looking at it is they're starting to evolve away from just thinking of their wireless network as consumers and mm -hmm. doing a lot more enterprise applications and starting mm -hmm. to figure out how do you go after the Internet of Things in order to generate revenues. And, mm -hmm. and I see the same thing happening in satellite. Mm -hmm. Satellite providers are moving away from a time when their, um, their business case will, will be supported by only doing backhaul or wholesale type services. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of my satellite customers looking at how do I do more B2B services? How do I start becoming, instead of just a wholesaler, a value-added application provider to the enterprises? And that's really important. And, and, and it's a really big challenge for the satellite providers to tackle because, you know, it's very different to run an organization that does B2B or does wholesale mm -hmm. or backhaul. Right. Uh, for 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 a dozen or two dozen large clients versus trying to serve you know thousands of enterprises you know everything from you know ordering provisioning network mm -hmm. operations customer care all that is very very different the entirety of your system and the way you run your business and I see mm -hmm. that as a pretty big challenge facing the satellite operators right now because um, they're all moving from you know they've got geostationary but they also are going to start deploying Leo. And as I mentioned, we're working with some clients around HAPS. That's all to get into the services business. Right. That's, going to be, that's going to be an interesting change for them that they've got, they've got to tackle. Yeah, you know, the satellite industry is not really known to be uh, quick on uh, adopting new technologies, you know, and, and, and they're kind of attached to some of the legacy technologies that they have. So is, yeah. is that something you can help them, you know, navigate, you know, like you mentioned, the Leos, the Leos are really uh, all out uh, uh, in, the, in deployment now. You know, Starlink, well, one of the leaders, which is owned by SpaceX, has deployed over 1,000 sat satellites already, which is, you know, the satellite industry started in the 50s, you know, about 60 years ago. And, you know, that 1,000 is already one third of all the satellites up there <laughs> and yeah. they did it within yeah. a year a year and a half and 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 
and you know that the, the these Leo operators, uh, the other the SpaceX and Amazon, these uh, Elon Musk and uh, um, Jeff Bezos of Amazon are two of the richest people, number one and two. You know they kind of go back and forth the last few yep. weeks. <laughs> uh, so you you know that that this is going to dominate the landscape in the next few years. So yep. how can your company uh, help satellite uh, companies uh, adopt? Yeah, it's interesting you talk about you know how the the thousand that they've deployed is a third of what's up there yeah uh, i just saw a report from statistica that said that there's going to be over 40,000 satellites <laughs> yeah, in the next 3 to 5 years right, right? so right. i mean you're talking 3,000 to 40,000 it's it's an it's an amazing transformation right. but if you look across i mean you know lots of lots of companies are making the investment you talked about you know two of the uh, two of the big names but mm -hmm. even uh, you had on here um, Dave Rabin a few weeks ago on, on from Hughes, and right. he talked about Hughes making an investment in Leo as well, right? They had made an investment through OneWeb, OneWeb and now yeah. that OneWeb's emerging, they're gonna make another investment, another $50 million. So mm -hmm. it's not just the brand new guys that are doing it, it it's pretty much throughout the industry that, that they're having to, to make this transformation and, and realize that you know they've gotta get Leo satellites up there. And I think, you know, if you think about where the reason why and why does it make so much sense, it's it's obvious. It's interesting that you know now we we have the capability, the technology mm -hmm. can do it, and that's always a an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. But there's also a convergence with um, the Internet of Things, right? Right. The um, I, I, in that same statistical report I talked about, um, there 25 percent of the sensors that are out in the world, according to this report, are actually served by satellite. Right, mm -hmm. so there, you know, it's a proven market that sensors and machine-to-machine -machine communication is already being being served by satellite. And as that machine-to-machine -machine communication grows, it, it's a great opportunity. And usually, those, you know, not always. You do automated driving. There's there's jitter and latency issues. But in a lot of the IoT applications, jitter and latency is not as big of a deal. So if you can get up there and you can serve those those markets. It's a huge growth opportunity for satellite providers. And, and I think that's the fundamental, you know, that's the convergence of the investment in Leo, the investment in HAPS, plus the, the desire to move the services. And if you think about what are those services gonna be on, it's gonna be layered on top of all these mm -hmm. sensors that are gonna be out there, right? And how do you mm -hmm. drive value to, the, to, to those companies that need to use the sensors? And all that convergence coming together is really making a very interesting time in the market. Right, right. Are you working on any of the Leos uh, right now? Uh, we have a couple of projects that we're working around Leo. Um, we're we're working with um, most of them aren't aren't, uh, aren't aren't announced, but we're working right. with one that one company that's working on finalizing. They they just made an award of their primary contractor, and we're mm -hmm. trying to get in and be part of that solution. In uh, in with that one, we're. We're looking at a few things where we're going to do some network management software. Um, we're working with another company to take a new ASIC that has mm -hmm. just come into market and mm -hmm. create a, a modem mm -hmm. so that they can do beam hopping and different things like that with a mm -hmm. ASIC-based modem that would be a whole lot less costly than, than the current modem technologies and reduce the, the cost to roll it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you know, we have to talk about the uh, global pandemic, you know, uh, because uh, you know, uh, in our in, in an article that I wrote about the year in review uh, of of the past year, 
uh, installers, you know, uh, and, and systems integrators have actually been heavily affected because of the, mm -hmm. you know, the restrictions to travel uh, and all that. Of course, this outlook for this year is a lot better, but uh, since you are an engineering company, you know, which, which uh, you go after business all over the world and, and, and you have to be physically present in most of them. So how does that affect your business? How do you see it going forward? Yeah, I think the um, I mentioned it a moment ago. One of the biggest things that's affected me personally is the, you know, not traveling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for the first month or two, I thought it was great, but you know, now it, it's pretty hard to to connect and and meet with people without being able to go and see them. So that 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 uh, disconnect from um, society is is probably the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. But uh, from a business perspective, we've actually done quite well. Um, mm -hmm. Our business has not been affected, especially in communications. Um, you know, the, the, the demands on communications providers around the world are actually as high as they've ever been. Um, mm -hmm. and, and our work has, has gone on. Now, there's other companies, and, and a lot of our clients have had challenges. Um, Jack Waters was on recently, and he talked about the fact that, you know, they saw a huge drop-off uh, initially, but then mm -hmm. they figured out through services, and I, I bring that up because it's, again, another reference with services, Mm -hmm. He figured out through services how to rebuild his business, right? And I think right. that's that's also part of what's happening with the satellite providers, right? They did a lot of post-sale services, cruise ships, airlines, things like that. A lot mm -hmm. of that stuff is is not generating the revenue it was before, right? No, mm -hmm. it'll come back. Mm -hmm. But during this interim time, they've spent time figuring out, okay, what other services can we provide? What other things can we do? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think long term, it's going to turn out to be a good thing for these providers that have now taken that time, invested and figured out how to do new and different services. It's going to accelerate uh, uh, their, their business as they come out of the pandemic. So you see a lot of business for your company uh, going forward uh, from the satellite. We've, we've been very blessed. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we grew, you know, last year we grew in our communication segment mm -hmm. uh, by about 6%. Um, the, the company overall did quite well, uh, but mm -hmm. the communication segment itself, it grew about 6%. And we see that, that growth this year accelerating and over the next couple of years. Um, you mentioned we, we've recently become part of Capgemini, and, and that's actually been a benefit as well because Capgemini is into not only the engineering of the communications, but into IT, mm -hmm. uh, business processes, the cloud, mm -hmm. data centers, uh, uh, security. Uh, and as we bring all of that together, I think we bring an even better value prop to our clients. And I think it's going to it's going to allow us to further accelerate, um, not only through this year, but for the next few years. It's, it's a really interesting place to be. What how big a part is the satellite part uh, of your specific division? Well, we, we work with um, worth with a lot of customers. Uh, you know, I'd say we've got about eight customers we work with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we don't release the financials of each one of those, but mm -hmm. uh, it's fairly significant in that we work up and down the BSS, OSS, uh, into the communications, the, the, you know, we do a lot of work around testing and provisioning and automation of the provisioning. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, new work we're doing in Europe right now mm -hmm. um, that, that we're engaged with a couple of European providers uh, in order to get some, some new stuff going there. Most of our work is, is here in the Americas today. But we're working on doing more and more in Europe. Right. Because actually, the reason I was asking is the, the satellite segment of the communications field is actually a very small part. You know, it's only between 1% to 2% of the telecom, you know, 
200 billion dollars but the telecom industry is like yeah yeah three trillion dollars so, so so why why does it matter yeah. it does matter for a couple of reasons yeah. one right. um i i think that uh one our, our heritage uh, mm -hmm. gives us an advantage, right? We've, we've got people in our company that have been working with satellite providers for 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think too, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there wasn't a direct link, but now uh, with Leo and HAPS and 3GPP and 5G, the uh, capability to interact between the networks is growing. Mm -hmm. And then you layer on top of that software-defined satellites, um, in, in the satellite communication topology starts looking an awful lot more like mm -hmm. your standard communication topology. It's not exact, but it's much more like it than what it was five years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that stuff coming together, what we found is, you know, there's you know, between our, our engineering competencies uh, and, and the, the synergies of the technologies that it's, it's becoming a sweet spot for us. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So you've given us a really good overview for your company, what you've done and what you can do. Uh, is there anything else you want to add there, Ken? I think the, the last thing I'd like to add is um, that, I, you know, th this is a very exciting market. It's, it's mm -hmm. evolving quickly. Um, and I, I think that uh, the, the transformation that's underway is one that's going to be really, really important. It's going to be critical to the future of satellite those companies that are able to make this transformation from that of wholesale to B2B service enablement are going to be the ones that are going to be successful, you know, regardless of, of the investments made in the satellites that are up in the air. If you can't quickly and efficiently turn services up for your clients, it, it, you're going to be, you're going to have trouble. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest thing that we're going to be watching in the area that we really want to focus and talking to our clients about is how do we help them move away from uh, uh, static kind of setups into much more agile, much more um, versatile service enabled environments. Right. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, this decade, uh, uh, more than any other decade, I, uh, this is my third decade now, in the, going on my third decade in the industry, uh, is fraught with a lot of challenges and, uh, and, and it's really transformational. So it's good to know that a company like yours with, with such uh, uh, experience and pedigree, you know, uh, can, be can be relied on, you know, in, in, in these times, you know, so... So I'm sure you're all ready to take uh, any uh, projects that you that might come your way. So how, how can they to, reach yeah. you, Ken? What's your website? Uh, our website is capgemini.com, um, and just go ahead and come on on and check us out. We'd love to love to work with clients. It's uh, it's been a fun run, and and we'll uh, we'll see you in the market. Thank you for the time today, Virgil. This was, this was awesome. I really enjoyed the discussion. No, thank you. I learned a lot too, Ken. Uh, thank you very much. Ken Grell, the Global Communications Industry Lead of Capgemini Engineering.